Welcome to the Accessible South Africa podcast. This is a podcast where we discuss travel in South Africa and beyond for persons with disabilities and special needs. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. And now, on with the show. South Africa Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. Have you ever wondered what it's like to experience long-distance train travel if you're a visually impaired traveler? This week, that's what we're talking with Quentin Pendle, who's been a train travel enthusiast since he was a young child. In our service provider's spotlight, we're talking about accessible accommodation as we travel to Heidelberg in the Western Cape, to one of the Cape Nature Reserves in Grootvaardersbos. If you enjoy what we're doing in this series, please share it with your friends. And remember, you can always contact us on podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za. Today we're talking to Quentin Pendle. Quentin is a train enthusiast who is blind, and today he's going to be sharing some of his experiences with us as a blind traveler, but particularly looking at train travel and how his blindness impacts on his enjoyment and his ability to engage with the train services as a blind traveler. Welcome to the Accessible South Africa podcast, Quentin. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate your taking the time to do so. How about we start in letting you just introduce yourself a little to our listeners and just sharing a bit of your story. Well, I am a blind musician, also doing sound engineering recordings, CD productions, and also the radio work. Um, but the main source of my income is my studio and my recordings and music that I do for clients. So how then did your love of train travel come about? When we were, when I was a small boy, about four years old, my parents lived in Oberholzer, which is in Kartenville, very near to the railway station. And seeing as I am an insomniac, I have difficulty <laughs> sleeping and I spent many nights listening to the trains and marveling about them. And every so often, my parents would take me on a train to Johannesburg, which was absolutely an occasion for me. And when I, jo- when I went to um, the then school for the blind in Worcester, um, the only means of travel, the only affordable means of travel between Worcester and the then Transvaal was by long distance train. And that sort of just really got me hooked. And I am very much a train fanatic, even to this day. After so many years and so many things that have changed, I still uh, find, create opportunities to do some train travel. What is it about the experience of traveling by train that appeals to you? It's the package. It's um, the the vibe on a train that is different. 
at this point, I just want to say there is this perception that train travel is no longer safe. And I suppose there is some truth in it when you look at the metro services, the you know, the commuter train services. There are some problems. But on the long-distance trains, it's all a very different story. It's not always clean. You have to clean it. Sometimes you have to clean your compartment yourself. And there are some things that you need to keep in mind when booking your when you're reserving your your seat or your compartment there are some things that you need to take care of and keep in mind but it's the whole thing of being free to walk on the train being able to go to the dining saloon having something to eat having something to drink lay in your bed and listen to the wheels on the track just experiencing the whole countryside as it rolls by you um the smells the sounds the the sometimes there are some interesting people on the train it's just this whole train vibe thing. I, for many years, used to catch one of those commuter trains from my home to work. So mm. I can understand the the concerns that a few people say. It's interesting that the experience of longer distance rail travel is so different. Yes, you have to remember that um, many of the stations that these long distance trains stop at are not as busy and as populated as some of these uh, intercity stations. You know, like, for instance, a station like the R, which mm. used to be a very busy railway connection, these days it's quiet, quiet, quiet. And um, there are some precautions that you need to take when uh, pulling into a station. I mean, you can't leave the windows wide open and leave your cell phone on the table because then you're actually invited. I think people to rob you, so you have to you have to be wary of the things around you. But um, on the train itself, it's it's very safe, and there are security people all over the train. They are present. You, I have never felt threatened on on one of these trains. Never. Well, that's good to hear. Can you just tell us a little bit about some of the specific um, journeys that you've you've made up by train? You you mentioned the one from Gauteng down to um, school in, in Worcester, but some mm. of the, the d- trains journeys that you've met, done since then? At one stage, there were what they referred to as contract trains or tour trains um, ran by or run by private operators on the, the, you know, on the, on the infrastructure of, of the National Railway um, Company. And these train tours took you to many places at we would probably not have been able to get to. I mean, there's a place such as Tuerwaterpoort, which is literally at the border of the Western Cape and the Eastern Cape. Uh, it's between Wellamoor and Otsur, and it's in the Karoo. There's no way you can get there by car, and it, it's it's a fantastic place. It's, um, if I can describe, it's it's it looks like it looks like the mountain is actually just um, torn open. So enough so that the train can pass through, and then the one side there's a mountain, and it's so close to the to the train you can actually put your hand out and touch the the mountain wall. On the other side there's a small river flowing, and they would stop the train there, and you could get off. And when the the uh, locomotive would blow its hooter, it would sound as if you are in a big cathedral, even though it's it, the sun is above you. It's just this high mountains around you, and it's just this almost forbidden place. It's wonderful being able to be there. And as I say, you can't get there by car because it's not near a road. And the train rail, the rails go through there. And um, it's 
it's just one of those memorable things that very few people have ever had the the privilege of experiencing. Another thing, not far from there, is a, is a little siding called Humefield. Now, if I say there's not even a tree, it's the honest truth. It's the middle of the field. It's a small siding. They pull the train. They they stop the train there for the night. They they give you a bri under the stars. You sleep there. It's marvelous. It's just wonderful. Next morning, four o'clock, the diesel engines power up, and you drive. They take you to Port Elizabeth. It's it's some of those moments that I will never forget, and I will always cherish. And actually, you know, many people haven't had the chance of experiencing these things. It sounds extraordinary, and it also sounds it's quite a multi-sensory experience from the perspective of hearing and um, smell mm. and scent and things like that as well as sight so, and feeling I mean uh, yeah there's you know many people would say the train would rock you to sleep and it is I mean the trains are not without problems don't don't think that for one minute but um, it's 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 wonderful being on a train it's always wonderful being on a train Oh, that sounds that sounds amazing, and we'll we'll dig into some of your your favourite stories of train travel as we go through. But I want to take a step backwards and just ask about some of the logistics around travelling by train, around moving around, navigating, and ahead of time preparing, booking tickets, things like that. How do you find those as a blind traveller? Look, um, the first thing I want to say is if you. If you travel by train, what I well, I, that's what I do. I reserve a coupe for myself. Now, a coupe consists of a lower bunk and an upper bunk, or a lower bed and upper bed. The reason I do that is, if you don't do that, they 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 seat you in a compartment with strange people that you don't always know, and this is confined little space. And um, unfortunately, there, <laughs> as with anything in life, there are creatures that you probably would not want to get too close to or would then want to get too close to you because you might have valuables in your luggage or your cell phone is with you or something you've got money and unfortunately when you're blind some people not everyone would exploit that and you know um so i what i do is i book a double i do a double booking i pay double um but then i have the peace of mind that i can lock myself and lock my belongings if I'm not there. And um, this is only my space. And when I want to leave um, half a cup of coffee on the table, it's fine. It wouldn't bother anyone else. And uh, also something else, you know, some people like to smoke. And if if you share a compartment with them, you have to you have to put up with that. And I unfortunately do not like smoking and being smoked. It, well, if people smoke in my presence, you know, I'm not, you know, it's one of those, I just don't like it. So, um, uh, so that, that makes it, the, the, that's the, these are the main reasons for me booking my own space. The other thing is that you have to tell the, the, the people when you book that you're blind. Sometimes they will give you a ramp because they think you can't walk. <laughs> um, We've all experienced that when we travel. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's helpful when you have when you're a person traveling in a wheelchair that they 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 are ramps that they can you know put to the close to the entrance because sometimes the when you when you get onto the train the the gap between the platform and the first step on the train is a bit big 
Mm-hmm. So there are ramps. People with wheelchairs would be nice, would be happy to hear that. Then also, you have to know your your compartment or your coupe in which you stay. There are normally eight of those doors in a coach. And when you're in, for instance, D, you will know that you're the fourth door from the one side and the fifth door from the other side. And there are toilets on each end of the of the coach. So you will obviously go to the one closest to you. There's a shower on the one end of the coach. You will know how far that is. You can count the doors. And when you go to the dining car, that might happen that you're about three or four coaches away from from the dining car. So you just count the coaches. And in the dining car, and this with everything else, I always ask for help. It's, I feel that when you need help, ask. It's stupid not to ask. You know, I feel stupid standing there hoping, praying someone would realize that I help, need help or whatever. Yeah. So when you climb onto the train, then are there people around um, from the, the train service who can help um, orient, orient you to yeah. that type of thing of, you know, where you, your cabin is or your, um, your room compartment. is. Mm. A compartment. Sorry, I, I always have problems with words like that. Um, <laughs> in, in comparison to the, the bathrooms and the shower and to the dining car. So you're given that information and people are more than happy to help with that? Yeah. And only the thing is, you, when, you need help, you, when, when you need help, you need to ask. I mean, people won't always assume that you, that you need help. And, and I found that I would say in almost 100% of the cases, people, when you ask for them, when you ask them for help, they're willing to you know, assist you. And yeah, it's, it's not, you just need to ask. Oh, that's great to hear. Can we just take a step back to the, the booking process? Obviously, mm-hmm. you're able to do that online, or do you do that by phone, which which is easier? <laughs> and how accessible is the site if you do it online? The online system, more often than not, is not working. Um, that's unfortunately one of the problems um, that we're facing. Uh, when it works, it's wonderful. It's quite accessible. But when it's not working, it's not working. So then I, I phone... And I personally know the guy in our uh, in in the station in the office at our station, and we are sort of on first name terms already. <laughs> so, <laughs> I phone him and um, he does the booking for me, and then I just go in and give him the money and get the ticket, and uh, everything is sorted. So for anyone who is who listens to this and decides, "Wow, that that sounds fun. Let me try," you would suggest just contacting their local train station and, and finding yeah. them there yeah and um be patient you have to be patient that's another thing train the trains in in south africa for some reason are always late that's a given um you know we traveled my wife and i and my and my little son we always travel down to the cape in winter for holiday and we when we came back this year, we stopped at a small siding between Tausrefir and Maikisontein. The siding is called Constable. There's nothing. There's nothing. And we were held up for 19 hours there because there was a, a, a truck, a lorry went onto the rails ahead and it damaged the tracks and it had to be repaired. And so they sent buses to take the passengers home. And I just said, well, my family and I, we're not getting onto these buses. We're, we're, we're just staying on the train. And we, we 
uh, was stranded there for 19 hours and actually it was wonderful. It was a, it was a great um, thing that happened to us because we could experience nature, the Karoo, um, the sunset, the night, the sunrise next morning. And we, when the train stopped there, we were 312 passengers on the train. And when the buses left, we were only 25 left on the train. Yeah. It was wonderful. It was fantastic. So we arrived in Clarkson 23 hours later. <laughs> it's actually funny when you think about it. But um, it, I just said to my wife, listen, we have, we have enough food. We have money. We can buy food on the train if we need. Mm-hmm. Let's just see this as an adventure. This, this is something that not many people get the chance to experience. I think that's so right. And to be absolutely honest, delays can happen on trains or aeroplanes anywhere in the world. It's not a uniquely South African problem. No, but um, you just need, when you travel by train, you you must realize that trains are going to be late because the infrastructure is, is not always maintained that well. And you will have to schedule when you, when you schedule appointments, just bear that in mind when you, when you book a train trip for yourself. You've mentioned two of the, the kind of obstacles that you might experience when traveling by train. First being that the website isn't always um, working, and the second being the delays. What are some of the major obstacles that you've experienced on train travel, and how have you overcome them? Um... Uh, those are probably the main the main things that I sometimes experience um, and oh yeah the, one of one of the other things that once happened to us is that um you know you can always buy bedding on the train mm-hmm. when you when you, when you sleep over last year for some reason they there weren't enough bedding, so when we got on we didn't have bedding so um from then on we take sleeping bags along so that that at least is sorted out but other than that there there aren't many problems you know you you need to take water with you and you need to take something that you can buy food on the train but sometimes it can happen that that they run out of supplies or train is very late and then you're stranded so take water take something to eat um and the main thing is just to be very very patient very relaxed and see everything as take everything as it comes. I think that's very good advice. And it it sounds just from the little that you've shared already that you must have some favorite stories or some amazing stories of your experiences. Would you share with one or two of those with us? Well, I suppose each trip that I did has something memorable to it. But um, if I if I may um, tell you one one or two. The one is about Constable, where we standed, where we stood for 19 hours. Sorry for my grammar. No um, it, it was wonderful, you know, being able to just be there. You could hear the cars in the far off distance on the N1 as they traveled past us. Some people would moan and groan, ah, but the train's always like, blah, 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 you know, and um, I, I, I am friends of sort of with the train manager. The train manager used to be the conductor in the old days he's now the manager he just sees to uh, attend to the passengers needs see that they're comfortable you know appoint them appoint their um, berths or wherever they sleep to them show them you know and he he, see, he overlooks everything on the train sees that everything is run smoothly and so on so when we stopped there Pierre and I were we knew each other for 
couple of years already. And we started chatting and um, he had to organize buses for the passengers so that they could be taken away. And when uh, I said to him, listen, my wife and I and my son, we're not going anywhere. We're just going by train. And some of the other passengers overheard us talking and they decided that they were going to do the same. And they were actually this this new friendship that, you know, was started between some of us, some of our passengers. And we, in the end, sh- shared contact details and there were promised visits, which still have to happen. And it was just wonderful being able to, to get off the train in the Kuru, in the felt, just stroll along the track off and as far as you could go, because you knew that the train wasn't going to leave anytime soon. And my my son and I actually uh, went up to the the engine because he wanted to see the locomotives. He's only 10 years and he's very, I think my my love for trains has rubbed off on him and um, we went over to the locomotives and we climbed up and we chat, we, we had a chat to the driver and the assistant driver and you know, there were coffee and we drank coffee together and it, like, it was wonderful. It was just wonderful being there and one of the other things is um, on one of those train tours many years where we went for the contract trains this one guy um, arranged for the train to stop at Santos Beach uh, in Mossel Bay and Santos is uh, probably about 50 meters from the ocean from where the train stood so the whole night you could listen to the ocean and if you had your windows open the spray of the water would actually you know get you in the face and it was wonderful just being there and being able to be there and just experiencing this whole thing about being so one with the nature around you and if you could if you wanted to you could walk to the with your feet in the sea and come back and take a shower and climb in your bed and or go down to the to the bar and have something to drink and mingle with the passengers and it was it was just wonderful being out there in the, and I just loved the experience of it felt so free, if you get what I'm saying. Absolutely. I think from what you're saying, the the ability to experience things, and, and I, I keep coming back to that same word, the multi-sensory experience. Yeah. And that you're using all your senses to engage with that space without yeah. being cut off as you would be of traveling by car or traveling by air. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... I, I've, I've flown a couple of times and it's not bad. Although I must say, when flying, it's really a taste for my faith. But <laughs> I'm so scared that that thing might come down. But <laughs> it's, you know, it's, you get up there, you get in the air and you get down and it's over. It's, yeah. it's, just, it's just not the same. Oh. Well, we've spoken a bit about some of your experiences. So what do you have planned for future train journeys? Um, I suppose I will travel on South African trains as long as they allow me to. Um, but they, they, there's a website on the internet which I came across a couple months ago. It's called seat61.com. Um, seat and then 61, the, num- the numerics. Is this British guy who has put together a website on all the train companies around the world and all the train travel, you know, the destinations and where you can go and what you need to do and it's it's really a wonderful source of information when wanting to travel abroad and 
when you want to use the train services there. And one of the, well, there are a few trains I'd like to travel on, but the one I'd really, really, really like to go on is the Siberian Express, which takes about eight days to go from from Moscow, I think, to Beijing. Although I'm not very much bothered about going into China. It's just this whole um, Siberian ex- experience. Apparently, this train is also going at a very slow speed and um, you don't, you must not be in a hurry. And it's just one of those wonderful, it's almost, it sounds epic to me. I really would like to do that. That sounds quite an adventure. Absolutely, it does. And is that, are other train journeys that that you are considering doing? Yes, I'd like to. I'd like to go on one of those Eurostar trains. Those one that, those ones that go very very fast. I'd like to experience that. There's also a train going from I think it's Perth in the west of Australia to Sydney, in the east. I think it also takes you about four days to cross the continent. I'd love to do that as well. One day. One day. <laughs> Those sound like some amazing um, journeys. I've done a little bit of train um, travel in Europe, and wow, it's it's really quite an experience. So um, I'm I'm sure that you'll let us know if you if you do start planning oh, any of those journeys. I will. <laughs> I'll definitely do. <laughs> if people would like to chat to you directly or find out a little bit more about um, train travel and about your your studio, how can they contact you? The best, the best is probably via email. Um, it's uh, my email address is Quinton. I'll spell that. It's Q U I N T E N um, at Pendle Pro. I'll also spell that. That's P for Papa, E N for November, D for Delta, L E again P for Papa, R O dot com. Great. Thank you so much. And do you know of any other resort? Well, you've already mentioned one, the website, um, seat61.com. But any yeah. other resources or blogs that are out there that you use to research your train travel? Um, unfortunately, not as much, no. I just want to mention something um, because I find that very helpful. Sometimes when you, when you travel on the train... It's it's it can be very very hard to distinguish where you are, um, in terms of, you know, is the train running on time? How far are you from your destination? Or as you when you are like me, you're just damn curious. Then it helps. It, it's it helps a lot if you can establish where you are. And I have this small app on my iPhone. I use an iPhone. It's called Ariadne GPS, and it's a, sort of an accessible app that has been written for especially blind people. And this app lets you um, find out your exact location and you can save that as a favorite. And then when you track it, you can actually see how far you are from from this particular favorite or in, you know, in terms of where you are, in terms of your journey, how far you still need to go. You can actually see the speed that the train is traveling at if you're that curious. Um, so yeah, I, I most of the time know where I am when I find that even sighted people don't always know. The name of that app again? Uh, it's Ariadne GPS. I'll spell that. It's A-R-I-A-D-N-E GPS. Great. That sounds like a fascinating app. And not just Wonderful. for someone who's traveling by train. I think it could be no, useful no, no. 
for for other in other situations as well. You know, I I go to Pretoria a lot for work, and then I am forced to travel by shuttle or some coaches, which I don't like. But anyway, and it's good to use that app as well because then you know where you are, and if people phone you and ask you, listen, when will you be here? You can actually tell them, and um, I'm very seldom, uh, you know, more than five minutes out on my estimations. So yeah, it's it's a wonderful app to use. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sure that will be of, of value to our listeners. I hope so. Quentin, one of the things that we try to do with um, this podcast is to inspire other disabled people who possibly are a little anxious about travel. What message would you give to people with disabilities who are keen to travel but are nervous about doing so? Well, specifically regarding train travel, if if it's your first time and you can, I would advise you to take someone along, someone preferably sighted or if if you don't have someone, just not to do it alone. It's, it's nice having someone to travel with. Um, Unfortunately, because of my situation, I travel alone a lot. My wife um, can't always go with me. But it's nice having someone to go with. But even in the event that you have to travel alone, um, people are willing to help. People are always willing to help, um, especially the officials on the train and at the stations. People will help you if you explain to them, look, I'm blind, I need help. Um, I, I would... I would say to you, if you could go out there on the trains today, don't hesitate. Just do it. It's going to be, it's going to, it's going to leave something with you. It's going to enrich you in a way that you couldn't imagine. You know, being able to just feel the sun in your skin, the wind in your face, and just hearing those wheels and the tracks, and feeling the train move, and smelling, and being part of it. It's just. I mean, I, if I could now, I would go on the train right now. I wouldn't even <laughs> worry. <laughs> well, you've inspired me to do much the same, I have to tell you. Quentin, thank you so much for sharing some of your experiences on train travel. And I've loved hearing your stories. So thank you so much for joining us on the Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. And good luck planning your next travels. Thank you. <laughs> In today's Service Provider Spotlight, we look at accessible accommodation on one of the sites run by Cape Nature. The Groot Vaardersbosch Reserve is located near Heidelberg in the Western Cape, and that's about 275 kilometers outside of Cape Town. There are 11 cottages on the site, three of which have been designed with universal access in mind. The cottages are self-catering, but are well-equipped. You can find out more information about the facilities that are available in the cottages on the Accessible South Africa website, where you'll also find photographs, a video with comments from the Accessible South Africa team who visited the site, as well as booking details, which you could go to directly from the listing. 
To find that listing, go to www.accessiblesouthafrica.co.za and click on the Accommodation tab. That's it for this time. You can find out more about us on the web at www.accessiblesouthafrica.co.za on Facebook at Accessible South Africa or on Twitter at Accessible SA. You can also email us on podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za Editing was done by Deirdre Gower and our theme music was by Luigi Chow, based on a motif by Lois Strachan. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.